Hello, friends. I'm Annie. And I'm Annie. You're listening to the Macros Universe podcast. Your weekly podcast for a dose of random facts, lightheartedness, health and fitness, and everything under the universe. Welcome to the Macros Universe podcast. Today, we have Heather Layton on our podcast. So Heather is our friend from Coaching Academy, which is super fun. So she is a NASM certified personal trainer and a nutrition coach at Rev Fitness. We're going to talk more about that. But first, Annie's going to give us our random fact of the day. Today's random fact is baby dolphins are born with belly buttons. Wait, what? Yes, you heard that right. Dolphins are born with belly buttons and not just dolphins, whales and porpoises also possess belly buttons as they are all marine mammals and belong to the same cetacean family. So dolphins go through a gestational period similar to the pregnancy period of a human and the umbilical cord is connected to the baby's abdomen and the mother's placenta. So the belly button on a dolphin is what remains after the baby dolphin loses its umbilical cord, which like humans is attached to the newborn dolphin's belly and plays a vital role in transferring oxygenated nutrient-rich blood to the baby. It also transfers nutrient depleted blood out of the baby and back to the placenta where it can be disposed of. So once the mother gives birth to the baby, the umbilical cord separates from the newborn dolphin and its mother allowing the newborn to feed on its own without the need of an umbilical cord to provide it with oxygen, blood, and nutrients. So did you guys know that? That makes makes sense sense because they're mammals. I mean, I guess I never really thought of it, but. So now my question for you guys is, do dolphins have any or outies. <laughs> Probably depends on the dolphin, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, can we call up <laughs> like SeaWorld or something like that? Will you guys tell us how many dolphins have innies and how many dolphins have outies? <laughs> and I have a friend who used to be a whale trainer at SeaWorld. Oh, I will ask her. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So I actually, I actually Googled it, you know, like, And I was like, do dolphins have innies or outies? Or it's like, or is it just flat? And then uh, what came up? Like, I sent it to Annie. And I was like, uh, it was, I think the article was like, dolphins have interesting, interesting vaginas that are shaped like a corkscrew. And I was like, wait, what? I asked for (laughs) belly buttons. (laughs) So that might be another random fact we'll talk about another day, but probably not today. Oh, dear. Okay, so we will jump into our episode with Heather. So Heather, do you want to tell us a little bit, like kind of introduce yourself to our audience, tell them who you are, how you got into fitness training? Yeah, so I have always, like since I was in high school, I've always worked out. I would sneak into, well, not really sneak in, but I was kind of the only one that would show up at the time I would show up and it felt weird. I was the only girl that would go to the gym at the high school. But since then, I have always worked out. It is just, it's just my lifestyle. That is really just who I am. So I graduated from college with a degree in exercise science. And, but then I had my first baby about two weeks before I graduated. So I didn't jump right into working with it. But then after a couple of years, so I had by, after my third baby, he was almost a year old. I started working at a a local studio. I wasn't really training, but I was kind of just a part of an exercise group that I would help them. And so that's been about eight years ago. And then along the way, I got my personal training 
certification. And then a couple of years later, I got my um, nutrition coaching certification and I have just been going at it forever. I had a couple of other jobs and along the way, I just, I have quit everything except this because I love it and I wanted to be able to focus all my time on it. So here I am being a mom and working, doing personal training and group coaching and nutrition coaching and I love it. Somebody asked me just this morning if I still loved it. And I honestly still really love it. That's amazing. I love that. Heather, can you tell us how long you've been in the field for? So I've been eight, almost nine years in February. It'll be nine years since I first started working at the studio, getting, getting going with it all. No, that's amazing. So have you had your studio for about nine years? So not my studio, but working with, I've worked with the same studio for that long, but it has been, it's gone through a couple of name changes and it's with a new owner as of recently. So it's, but it's the same studio. A lot of the same clients just kind of stayed, which switched ownership. So yeah. Okay. That's amazing. So how did you come across coaching Academy? Um, Oh no, I got to remember. Oh, because I just was on the email list. I'm pretty sure it was. So I had been waiting for an opportunity to learn from her. And in my mind, she would maybe just do a seminar one day and I could see if it was work with travel plans to go see her. So that's sort of what I was banking on. And then I get this email that she's starting this coaching Academy and it was, it was a little bit of a financial stretch, but I told my husband, I said, I cannot pass on this. This is what I've been waiting for. I love the way she coaches. I want to learn how to do that. I want to be a more effective coach. And I feel like that's the next step. And he's always been insanely supportive. And so he's like, we'll make it work. And we did. And it's been amazing. I'm glad you didn't wait because then we wouldn't have met you and you're amazing. (laughs) Sorry, like side tangent. Um, Did you go through Macros 101 before you did Coaching Academy or was that something that you had to do it at the same time? Well, I mean, I bought the program yeah. before. Okay. okay. So <laughs> it wasn't Mac. Oh, sorry. Popped around through it, but I, <laughs> I was not a good student. I was not the one that started and ended <laughs> beginning and yeah, but I have since perused those libraries very thoroughly. That sounds great. Okay. So in all the years of your coaching, can you tell us the top three nutrition and exercise mistakes that you see your clients making? So top three, um, probably water, not hydrating enough, um, not eating enough vegetables and not getting enough protein. Those are top three nutrition. Those are my nutrition ones for sure. Um, so exercise, not properly engaging whatever muscle you are trying to target or not lifting weights, like doing just cardio, not weights. And mobility and stretching is huge. And it is even by myself so often, way too often, it is one thing that consistently is overlooked that really, really needs to be a part of everybody's routine. I love that. And I just, I just kind of want to add in before you go on and explain your list, that's one thing that, you know, as I go through my own fitness journey, I got the beginning, I hired a coach because my friend had this coach and, you know, like she had great results. So that means I'm going to have great results. Right. But it was like the coach just here's your macros and oh, here's this app that I use and go on the app and here's the exercises that you follow and voila, there you go. Do that every month and pay me every month. And so no, right. If, You guys ever come across a coach that is like cookie cutter and say, here's your macros. This is what you do. I'm not saying that's not a good coach, but there are way better options out there for your money. And so I didn't even know about 
mind muscle connection until like after I started looking into it myself, studying it myself. And it's like, I think that's one area that a lot of people don't understand. You know, there's a difference between going into the gym and hopping on a machine and doing the workouts day to day versus, you know, really picking up that weight or whatever machine you're going to and really have that mind muscle connection. And that really helps in solidifying and building muscles. And then the other thing that you talked about was mobility and stretching. When I go to the gym, I would say, I don't know, like at least 50% of the people there don't stretch afterwards. Probably more. It, probably more. Exactly. Probably more. And so, I mean, like I've been trying really hard to get my friends, you know, like not really educate because, you know, I'm not their coach, I'm their friend, but it's like just encouraging them to stay after and stretching. But I feel like mobility and stretching, it's such an important part of our programming, but a lot of people don't realize how important it, right? Or they just don't have the time. Yes, like I've exactly. been here, I need to just keep going. I've got things to do. Yes, yeah, totally. Very, very I agree. overlooked. Yes. And not even just at the end, but before your workout too. Exactly. So, you know, you've got the two inhibit, lengthen, activate, and integrate. So those are your four, um, the four things that you want to, you know, before, even when you're going into work, whatever your prime mover is, you want to inhibit the opposite side. So if we're going to do hamstrings, you want to turn off your hip flexors. So the front part of your leg, you want to roll that out. You want that to become loosened. You want, you want it. And then you need a stretch. So, and stretching before uh, you work out, you don't want to stretch like really static stretching before you want to do stuff. If we're sticking with hamstrings, you could do like soldier marches. I don't know if you know what that is just by name, but as you walk and kind of kick your leg up to kind of stretch that hamstring, you don't want to sit and static stretch that will actually tire out your muscle before working, but a lot of foam rolling and getting that muscle in there nice and deep and getting it nice and warmed up that way is really, really important, especially if you're doing heavy lifts and doing your bigger lifts, then you want to get in and really get that muscle moving and turn off any other antagonist muscles that are maybe going to inhibit the full length of what you can do with the muscle that you want to work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And I think it's interesting because when we look at runners, right? Runners, they always do a runner stretch beforehand. And then, you know, a lot of these athletes that you see, they, they stretch before professional basketball players, they stretch, they warm up before a game. So why wouldn't we do the same thing when we're performing in the gym, especially when you're hitting, trying to hit your PRs, you want to warm up your body and you want to get it ready before you go in and do something so amazing. Right. But you want to warm it up. Yeah, there's a difference between doing warmups and just sitting down and spreading your legs out and leaning forward or going over <laughs> your legs. Like there's a big difference, right, between just stretching and warming up. You need your muscles warm. You need your muscles activated. But if you are going through just the lengthening process of a static stretch, static meaning you're not moving, right? You're just sitting there and stretching. Yes. Then that can tire your muscles more than actually moving and warming up in a dynamic method. And I think that's what's so um, valuable to have a coach who is knowledgeable in that area to help walk you through it. I mean, I know there's a lot of resources out there that someone can look up dynamic stretching versus static stretching, right? But at the same time, when you have a coach, they're guiding you through what you should do to prevent injuries. That's also very valuable and helpful. Right. Yeah. And along with 
Okay, I was just say along with stretching is the mobility. If you're wanting to do squats and you've got really tight hips, or if you're doing deadlifts and you have really tight hips, then getting your hips open and moving will make a huge difference. That's one of the biggest issues is um, that I find with people is they've been working out using faulty patterns this whole time. Like they are not lifting correctly because they're not uh, mobilizing properly. They are not warmed up properly, all these things. And so they get in there and different things are happening in different lifts that you watch and it's like, okay, we got to fix this before you go any further. And so I have many clients that will come in. There's like, no, I'm deadlifting all this weight. I'm like, well, not anymore because we're stepping back to get you to a place. Cause if you have a crumbly foundation, what have you got, right? It's you're only as strong as your foundation is. And so if you don't have a strong foundation, you've been lifting improperly or just through, like I said, faulty movement patterns, then you're not going to be as strong as you could be. And that overuse as you go over time using those patterns that you shouldn't be. And I hate to use the word should, but they really are not um, optimizing the movement as well as it should be or could be being used, then um, you need to start over. You need to build that foundation or you're going to hurt yourself. And maybe not now, maybe it's five, 10 years down the road. But if you have a strong foundation now, then it's going to decrease significantly the chances of being injured later on. That's so good. I love that you said that you were talking about the crumbly foundation that you said, if you don't have a strong foundation, then you kind of don't have anything. And, and really that these like mistakes that you talk about are all like foundational things, but a lot of times we don't necessarily think of them as foundational things. I think we kind of forget about them. Right. And so Mm -hmm. then they end up not being a part of that strong foundation. And so then you are prone to injury or whatever it is with exercise or, you know, you mentioned getting vegetables in and we can circle back around to that. But anyway, just the point being, I like that all of these things that you're talking about, these mistakes are like foundational things. Right. right. And you can see somebody, if they're squatting and their knee, they've got knee values, their knees are coming in and each one of their repetitions, their knees come in. That weight is too heavy for them. I don't care if they're getting down and getting back up. That weight is too heavy and they need to backtrack until they have the proper strength in the proper muscles. And maybe it isn't necessarily strength. Maybe it's activation and they just aren't properly activating with that mind-muscle connection. Maybe that's what's holding them back. But until they have learned that, then they should not be lifting as heavy as they are if they have those bad patterns. Yeah, that's awesome. In addition to that, you know, with improper form, oftentimes that's when injury occurs. And so, well, if you don't have a good foundation and you try and push yourself and then you get injured, then that's going to set you back even longer. Because I think oftentimes people think, well, my goal is to get more weights on, get more weights on, right? Like I'm going to hit my PR and I'm going to be so strong, but then if you don't start small baby steps and really get that form correct from the beginning, when you do get injured and it sets you back, you would have been better off if you had just taken those steps to ensure that you had proper form. I remember in my, I had a exercise psychology class. He was talking about Tiger Woods and golf that he, it was a, a point where he was top of his game. And then he took the next maybe year or so completely changed his golf swing. Um, and everybody's like, you're crazy. Why are you doing this? You know, cause then all of a sudden he's coming in at the bottom of the pack. But then a year later, he was on top again and way better than he ever was before. So it really does. Sometimes it, it takes that step back to get you way further than what you could have done otherwise. 
I love that story. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> That's so well, and what an awesome, what an awesome thing for us all to remember, right? Is that like that step back that maybe seemed like, you know, like you said, everyone's like, what are you doing? Um, and even for us, like how many times do we have to take these little steps back in our life? Even ourselves might be going like, what are you doing? But if you kind of know that it's going to push you in a different direction, it's going to change your swing, so to speak. Right. And make you be able to come out better and stronger at the end. That's awesome. That's a great story. I love that. I don't know why the story of the three little pigs came into my mind. Build that house with bricks. Blow and steady. Start strong from the beginning. Yeah. Awesome. So the big bad wolf can't blow your house down. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. We talked about engaging muscles. We talked about mobility and stretching. Now, um, actually, we... I have way more to say on engaging. The oh, muscles. yeah. Let's, let's do that. Let's continue. It, but, but that I would love to expand on that one a little bit, just because I think it is so vital that you can be lifting as heavy as you can lift, even with proper form. If you're not properly engaging the correct muscles, you are not going to progress as fast as you could otherwise. You know, even something like a bicep curl. Do you ever think about doing a curl and flexing your bicep as you do it. And so you come up and you make it as tight as you can. And it's not just the weight that's in your hand, but it's also how strong are you flexing your bicep? And, you know, something we talked about in the beginning, um, when we first started talking about the podcast, talking about bracing your core and creating that really strong foundation of your bracing right there. And so, so important. That is my number one cue with all of my clients. Like, what does your core look like? Are you breathing properly? Like, what are you holding in your core? And it's not always holding in depending on what you're doing. Cause if you're doing a really strong lift, it's more like bracing out rather than sucking in, but it's creating that foundation to protect your spine and to make your lift stronger. But you know, whatever it is, if you are doing, let's say a seated row on a machine and you're pulling that row, but you're never squeezing your shoulder blades together to really um, tighten up the, your muscles in the back right there between your shoulder blades where it's going to hit. If you're not pulling your shoulder blades together, you're not activating that particular muscle. And that's the muscle that you're sitting down trying to work. And so as you pull it, you've got to really, and this is another cue I give my clients every time, like the seated row for a lot of them is a two-part movement. So their arms will be straight. Say, pull your shoulder blades together as one. And then you bend your elbows is the second part. And so, because otherwise, and it's same like lat pull downs, pull your shoulders down, then pull the bar down to make sure that that is properly engaged. And there's so many things. A deadlift, don't pull until your knees are turned out. You can push against your elbow pits and to really turn on your glute muscles, but you don't lift that weight from the ground until your glutes are completely engaged because otherwise you're fighting an uphill battle. If you want to work a muscle, tighten that muscle and then watch the change that will happen. It makes such a difference. Love that. Well said. Thank you. (laughs) Super good advice. I did not know that about bicep curls. I didn't know that you were supposed to like flex. I mean, it makes sense. You know, your arm is flexed, but like for you to actually take the time to consciously and physically flex your muscle. That mind muscle connection. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So if you flex and then kiss your biceps at the same time, will it help it grow better? (laughs) People just, people just make fun of you in the gym, right? Look at that right there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's that's my soapbox on that one. That's so great. Yeah, good information. Okay, now let's go to not lifting weights. 
What are some reasons why uh, clients aren't lifting weight? Because they don't want to get bulky, which blows my mind. I don't know where that concept came from, but I hear all the time, well, I don't want to lift any heavier because I don't want to be bulky. And we've got some big power lifters in our gym. And there's like, I just don't want to look like that. Like, do you have any idea how many hours a day they spend in the gym? Your 45 minutes is not going to get you bulky. I don't care how much you're curling. Your arms are not going to look like that with 45 minutes every other day. It's not going to happen. They get so scared about looking bulky, but oh, I can go on a tangent about how important muscle is though. And especially as you're getting older and I actually get to work with a lot of older clientele and it's so fun to watch them get strong and just a lot of them will come in. There's like, I was starting to lose my balance and I don't want to fall. And so they'll come in and, and to see them progress, it's just amazing. And it's so much much fun, but the skeletal muscle, like people want to lose weight. And so they start running forever, but the more skeletal muscle you have and skeletal meaning like the muscle that you see. Right. And so the more muscle they have, the higher your metabolism is. Do you know that uh, insulin resistance starts in skeletal muscle? And uh, wait, what? Just, Explain that a little bit. What do you so mean it starts I, I in skeletal that, muscle? I don't know the science in it. I just oh, know okay, that, that okay. is something that I have read. And I wish that I could tell you. Yeah. That is something I wish I could tell you. But yeah, it's something that... Um, insulin resistance starts in skeletal muscle. And especially going back to older clientele, the older you get, the harder it is for your body to absorb and, and hang on to protein. And so, and that's kind of going into protein, but our muscles are made of protein. And so this can kind of be a crossover into talking about protein, but literally everything in our body is about protein. Every every single thing in our body is built on protein. Our hormones, like I think of hormone as like a non-tangible thing. And I guess it kind of is, but like it isn't at the same time. Time. Like your hormones are built with protein and your immune cells are built with protein. And so, and so you have to eat your protein, but then also eating your protein builds up that muscle and having that muscle, that's where you can get the results that people are wanting. Like people, they don't want to be bulky. They don't want to have all this muscle um, aesthetics, but they don't want to be fat. And I heard this, um, it's been a while and I, I hundred percent agree. I thought it was the smartest thing. I said, our, as a nation, we are not over fat, we are under muscled. And it yes. just blew my mind when I saw, heard that. I was like, that is so true. That's how it is because your metabolism and your I'm lifting your foot up onto a curb. You'd be surprised how many people I have, they cannot get off the ground unless they've got all four, like they have to get on their knees and then they push themselves up. But the little simple things that so many people take for granted, they can't do. And if you're in the gym lifting weights and it doesn't have to be heavy weights, it's just that movement and it's having that resistance that keeps you from deteriorating and keeps you there to where you can move and it doesn't have to be big amazing things you don't have to go to a powerlifting competition but getting in and out of your car at 80 years old on your own power like is that not something that we all want yeah and that's exactly only from being active and not just active of going for a walk a leisurely stroll after dinner every night, you've got to be using that muscle and you can't start with three pounds and a year later still be at three pounds. It's better than nothing, but you need to be consistently increasing your weights as you lift to be able to keep and maintain that strength, especially as we get older. It makes such a difference. But if you want to lose weight or if you want to lose fat, go lift weights. It increases your bone density. It increases your overall strength. It helps regulate hormones. It helps with your immune function. Weights, are, like I cannot push that enough. I think every single person in the world needs to be lifting weights on a regular basis. Love that. And I think it's also important to recognize that a lot of these 
people that go to the gym and you see that they're quote unquote bulky, it didn't Mm -hmm. happen overnight. It didn't happen over a week and it didn't even happen over a month. It happened year, month, you know, day after day, month after month, year after year, like decades of work. And we should just start, you know, like spreading. I don't even think it's misinformation, but we should somehow get this idea in people's mind that if you don't go to the gym for one day, you'll lose your muscle forever, which is not true, obviously. (laughs) But then, then when people are like, oh, if I don't go to the gym, then I'm going to lose my muscle forever. Then you're not going to be worrying about getting bulky because you lose muscle so fast. (laughs) You're not going to worry about being bulky, right? Okay. It it is true though. (laughs) Not going it does not take long. I'll have somebody. It does not take long. One workout. Yes. And they come it doesn't back take like, oh. a day. Let's okay. Everyone. It, it doesn't, doesn't take, take a day. day. If you don't, if you miss the gym for one week, you are okay. If you miss the gym for two weeks on vacation, you are okay. Don't freak out, but it does like you lose muscles so fast. So mm-hmm. I would worry about losing what must like muscle mass you have before worrying about bulking. <laughs> right? right. So true. <laughs> and not just the time spent in the gym, but you've got to have a, the right diet for that too. You've got to be eating in exactly. a very specific way to build yes. up and look that way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all you bread lovers out there, you're don't worry. You're not going to bulk up muscle just by eating bread. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Hey, so do you want to tell us some of the tips you give to clients to increase protein? Cause we talked about, you know, some muscles are built from protein. Do you want to tell us some of the tips you give to build up protein? So I am a big proponent of tracking your food. I love the idea through macro counting of tracking food. Um, And I know it's not always for everybody. I think until you have a really solid foundation of what your body needs and what works with your lifestyle, until you really, really know that and can literally physically feel what your body needs, I think people should track long enough to know that and not just make it a guesswork. So with that being said, tracking first before you eat sit down and say, this is how much protein I have allotted for the day. And then spreading that out, eating all of the protein all at once is not, our body can only absorb so much at a time. And so if you overeat that much, guess what's going to happen? You're going to pee it out because our body doesn't store protein. It stores fats and it stores carbohydrates. It does not store protein. And so what it can't use in that moment goes into the sewer system. And it's, that's what people say. Americans have the most expensive pee in the world because we all like our supplements and we, you know, and a lot of it is just, you're getting this much out of this much and out it goes. So you want to evenly space your protein. And I tell my clients to do just under a third for each meal, separate it out as close to that as you can. And then whatever's left over, fill in between with snack. And I, so many people are saying, I'm just so sick of eating chicken breasts. And I, I don't get that. Then stop eating chicken breasts. There are so many options. Eat you can the have chicken feed instead. Right. Chicken feed has protein. Right. Right. Just go that route. And Andy, how's your clientele doing? <laughs> oh, why do all my clients leave me? Like, oh, oh, they don't like chicken feet like I do. <laughs> but you know, and I think there's also a really bad rap around red meat. I do not necessarily agree with that. I feel like red meat has its place. If you want to eat red meat, make it a leaner cut. Do um, 97.3, you know, on your percentage for hamburger or whatever. And if you're going to have a roast, cut the fat out. You don't have to eat the fat with it. I love 
red meat. I don't eat it a ton um, just because I, you know, I'm a moderation and all things kind of person. And so I like to spread it out and I do, I prefer white meat, but, but you have fish. If you say, well, I don't like fish. Maybe it's the way it's been prepared. Maybe it's the type of fish you've had, you know, and different, there's so many different options. It could be shrimp. You go with some pork. What about a pork loin? That's a good lean meat. And there's so many ways you can prepare it, but there's so many options that people get really stuck and fixated on. It has to be a chicken breast and it doesn't. But I am one that I try to get as much protein as I can from food. You will, your body will absorb it so much better when it comes from an actual food source. And if you're a vegetarian, there's lots of ways you can get enough protein, but you have to be very careful to make sure you're getting proper supplements. You know, there's certain proteins that you cannot get as a vegetarian or as a vegan that you have to get through supplementation because you can only find them in animal meats or animal products. But yeah, spreading it out is really good. And then don't rely on a protein shake. Don't rely on a protein drink or a protein bar. Use them as exactly what it's called. It's a supplement. It is to fill in the gaps of what you can't get enough of through your daily diet, but um, don't rely on that to hit your protein goals. Love that. Yeah. Super helpful. Anything else, Annie? Okay. I have one so, more thing I want to add to protein. Oh, okay. That is so that I found so interesting that I, I made a note of it. So I wouldn't forget. And then I forgot anyway. So, um, protein for breakfast. Like when we talk about breakfast foods, we are a culture of very carb heavy breakfast. We have oatmeal and cereal and pancakes and waffles or whatever. Right. There was a study that I read about of people who did that. So you had two groups. One was a very carb heavy breakfast. One was a very protein heavy breakfast. And the protein dominant group. And this is just for breakfast. They kept the macros. The number of macronutrients was the same across the board, but what they did is they just made sure that there was a lot of extra protein. That's where they got a big bulk of their protein in the morning. The group lost 61% more of their BMI, 65% more of weight, 34% more on the waist and 16% more body fat with the one that started with protein. So just showing the protein, like starting your day with that and not starting with carbohydrates is another really great tip for number one, getting your overall protein and start early. But number two is just giving your body what it needs at the beginning, instead of boosting your blood sugars and getting everything going crazy right from the get-go, start with a high protein. And I mean, we don't do that. Have you ever eaten a chicken breast and quinoa with steamed broccoli for breakfast? Like No, but scrambled I, eggs are delicious. Right? <laughs> and so, egg yeah, white, I eat a lot of egg whites. So. Oh, and did you you know the eggs are the most complete form of protein like in a single yes. like by itself it is the most complete form of protein is the egg and so that's a fantastic way to start a breakfast and start you're your basically day eating a whole chicken there right just in a little tiny cute little package meat <laughs> <laughs> <Sweet> and all <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And then lastly on this, will you tell us about what clients can do if they're not hitting their vegetables daily or not properly hydrating throughout the day? Like what are some tips for them? So water, if you're going to go with water, like everybody needs drinking your diet Coke is not going to hydrate you, right? There has to be water, even if it's going to be something like milk, our bodies are amazing. And so if you drink the milk, there's a lot of water in milk. And so your body knows how to extract that water and use it for what it needs. Water, 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 drink all the water. And an easy uh, formula is you take your body weight, uh, like ounces, and you divide that in half. That's how many ounces you should be having of 
or no, it's your body weight in pounds, I think, divide that in half. And that's how many ounces you should be drinking of water. And there's a, there's a formula for it. That's a little more scientific, I guess, but for all intents and purposes, that should be sufficient. But our whole bodies, like water is where everything is at. If you are losing weight or you have like, there's so much waste in our bodies, right? Just food that is not being processed. Or we have even like cellular rejuvenation, like, you know, and cellular waste that happens at the very micro levels. How is that going to get out if you're not giving it any kind of transport, but it gets out with the fluids that we drink. And so having that water, having that hydration, um, one to 2% Dehydration is, this is a fun fact, will drop you in cognitive function. Just one to 2% of dehydration. And they say, as soon as you feel thirsty, that's a sign that you're about 1% dehydrated. And so if you are staying up on your water, you shouldn't be feeling really thirsty that often. And a lot of times when we feel hungry, a lot of times that's just thirst. I don't know if you ever heard that one, but that sometimes hunger pain yeah. um, is just being masked. It's a thirst or thirst is being masked as hunger pains. Or if you have a really bad headache, drink the water. Um, number one reason for daytime fatigue is dehydration. Like water is so critical for our bodies and everything, everything is used in our bodies, our brains, our hearts, like 73% or something is water and our spinal cord. There's tons and tons of water that goes through the spinal cord and it's the last place that receives it. So if you are dehydrated, that's not the place that is going to be replenished. So really important to drink as much water as you can. And I mean, within reason, you don't, you can drown from the inside out. So you have to be careful in that regards. But I, I think that is very much not the case in, you know, because I think it's like 75% of, of all people in the United States are dehydrated, chronically dehydrated, not just That's like crazy. Kind of, but chronically dehydrated. So yeah, water is huge. Vegetables are huge. If I have a client that's just like, I'm not seeing any changes. Things are not happening. Those are the first two questions I ask them. Are you drinking your water? Are you eating your vegetables? Because there's so many nutrients that we get from our vegetables. And I am one, like, of course, I'm never going to recommend that you have a plate of broccoli smothered in cheese. But if that's the only way you'll eat your vegetables, then I'm all for it. Eat the vegetables. Your body knows how to take care of what's there. You just have to make sure it's going to fit into your macros, but it's going, you're going to get the nutrients from the vegetables that you're offering, even if it's loaded with all of the other fats that make it taste so much yummier. And you're adding extra protein in it too. With the cheese? Yes, yeah. you are. <laughs> Annie, what's your next question? Um, well, we talked about veggies and protein and muscle. Okay. Is there anything else along those lines that you want to add with water or vegetables or protein um, or get a variety, try and eat a big variety of stuff. Um, especially when you're talking about vegetables, because they provide so many uh, nutrients, so many vitamins, so many minerals, and you're going to get different things from different ones. And your number one, go leafy greens. If you're only going to eat one vegetable, your dark leafy greens, like your kale and your collard greens, your spinach, you, there's so much in there. Uh, magnesium is a huge uh, mineral deficiency that we have that makes a big difference in how you sleep and how your brain functions and you know, so many different things. And we are all chronically under what's the word I want, but we don't have enough. And so that's a good place to get uh, magnesium and vitamin A, vitamin K, yes, uh, vitamin B6, uh, vitamin C, you know, it's got a lot of that manganese. Potassium is another one that I see with clients that they're constantly under. And um, 
So those dark leafy greens have a lot of good potassium in them. They say eat the rainbow because you get different things. And there's different uh, vitamins that complement each other. So a, an easy example is with milk. You always see milk that is uh, fortified with vitamin D. And we see that because vitamin D increases the uptake of calcium. And so in our bodies, if we are lacking calcium and you also have no vitamin D, if you're not going to be as efficient absorbing that calcium as if you had the vitamin D. So, and there's a lot of different uh, vitamins that work really well together that way. And so eat a variety, get as much as you can of all of the things, even like your meats, you don't, you don't want to get bored. I love it when clients are just like, no, I can eat the same thing every day. I'm like, that's awesome. Cause that's going to make it really easy to track. But I think unless you have a good variety, there's a lot of key minerals and vitamins, nutrients, all things that you are missing out on. So eat as much of a variety as you can. Love that. Thank you so yeah, much. Super good. So, uh, French fries, that's a vegetable, right? It's made from potatoes or corn. <laughs> that's like my other favorite one. Corn is like vegetables right corn oil all right you want to talk oils that's a whole nother podcast but yeah I'm a huge like seed oils are like yeah I don't do seed oils so but yeah potatoes I mean go right? sweet potato maybe do a sweet a baked sweet potato instead of deep fried russet potato like you know there's ways or around just it. eat sparingly <laughs> I mean I eat your french fries things. and your leafy greens too <laughs> right? Compromise. It's called yeah. the halo effect. You say I had a salad, therefore I can have a large fry. Yeah, maybe not, but yeah. <laughs> but for sure, you still got to live. You still got to well, enjoy you, life, right? You can have a large fry, but think about the consequence. How are you going to feel after you eat that large fry? Right. Is it worth it? If it's worth Is it, it worth then it. eat it. Exactly. If it's not worth it, step away. Save it for another it time. Depends, because if it's it. a large fry from Chick-fil-A, then that baby's worth it every single time. <laughs> there <laughs> you go, Annie. Calorie. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. See me? It's Five Guys Fries. I love their Cajun fries. Ooh, yeah. So we good. have Five Guys here, but I've never been. Go get your Cajun fries after the podcast. <laughs> well, I might have to. Yeah. Okay. And, and get your dark leafy greens into it. <laughs> okay. Deal. While you're there, might as well get a burger too. Right? I mean, might as well. Why drive all the way over just for the fries if you've yeah. got burgers to share? Oh, nice. All right. Heather, what's your biggest failure or weakness and what did you learn Ooh. from it? Oof. See, uh, I don't know. Failure is a strong word because really there is no failure, right? You either learn exactly. the lesson or you achieve the goal or whatever. Um, Dang. So I'm a really big procrastinator. And so I think that that is my biggest weakness. I am a big procrastinator and it is something that I am working on and have been working on for the last 40 something years. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's gotta be my biggest, biggest weakness. Cause other things I feel like I can work through that one is just procrastination, like time management on the whole. That's, time that's management. my, yeah. So if you have any great tips on how to overcome that, yeah. I would love to hear them because I am, that is, <laughs> my, that is my, and what I've learned from it is to not do it. And that's funny that you said that because we actually did just record a podcast on self-sabotage and we actually covered procrastination in it. Was yeah. It I started listening to that, <laughs> but I don't think so. I finished that one. Yeah, maybe go give it a lesson and listen and see what you hear okay. about procrastination in there. <laughs> okay, it's a promise. 
It <laughs> might happen that. later. <laughs> you can <laughs> you can listen to that podcast episode while, while driving you're driving guys. to Five Guys to order <laughs> your burgers and your fries. <laughs> large leafy, dark leafy green salad. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. What accomplishments are you most proud of so far? And if you can turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what advice mm -hmm. would you um, accomplishments that I never wanted to go to school, but I, through a series of events, ended up going anyway, and I loved it. So huge accomplishment. And what I would tell my 18 year old self is go back and just do it. Don't put it off. I didn't start school until I was 25, maybe 24, 25, right in there. And I would go back and I was like, girl, it is so worth it. Just do it. And I was already married, so I kind of missed out on that fun college life. And I think that could have been, like, that would have been game changer, I think, in my young years. That's for sure what I would have done. But I got it done eventually, and I'm super proud of it because it was really hard. Way to go. Thanks. Yeah, that's great. Love that. Good. Okay, so where can people find you if they want to connect with you? And what else do we need to know? So, oh, oh good. I get to do a little innocent plug. I have an online yes. um program that is a fitness program it is body sculpt and it is found at rev like r-e-v-v -V, so rev up your fitness.com the r-e-v-v-u-p-y-o-u-r-f-i-t-n-e-s-s -E so rev up your fitness.com but there is an app for that there's a bunch of different there's five different programs within that but i have an app that um, it's a one-time fee, 45 bucks. And I think it's $45 and it's yours for a lifetime. It's a 12 week program, but body sculpts. And I have done it myself and I have so made tweaks along the way. And I'm really, that's another thing I'm very proud of. I think that turned out really awesome. Um, very effective. And then, um, I have, an my Instagram is, oh my goodness. What is my Instagram account? <laughs> <laughs> it's a newer one. I just started this one and it is fitness. Do we have show notes? Can I put them in show notes? Yes, yeah, we will yeah. also link it in show notes, <laughs> but we want to make you uncomfortable and have you tell everybody. <laughs> no, I'm, like, I'm kidding. Fit I'm nutrition, kidding. I think. To. Is that right, Heather? It's fit oh, fit nutrition. Fit nutrition with Heather, but there's an underscore in there and I don't remember where the underscore is. I it's think okay. it's fit we'll underscore it. nutrition with Heather, but I can't remember for sure either. <laughs> well, now good thing that's not embarrassing. Dang. Don't even know where my own <laughs> what my own handle is. That's okay. <laughs> you didn't get enough sleep either. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so but anyway yeah find it in the show notes because it's there and i would love more visitors awesome. i'm not super active on there obviously but i would love more visitors that would be a lot of fun great is there anything else you would want to tell our listeners or like uh, any yeah just anything else i feel like you've just shared a wealth of knowledge with us but well don't be afraid to go into a gym i think a lot of people have gym intimidation don't be afraid to go inside a gym. Don't be afraid to talk to a trainer. Don't be afraid to reach out and ask nutrition questions. Even if you want to DM me, if you ever figure out what my Instagram account is, don't be afraid to DM me. I'd love to answer questions, um, but don't be intimidated by a gym. It doesn't matter if you don't know what you're doing. Neither did anybody else when they first started. 
So we all had to start somewhere. It's true. And go in for you. Don't go in for anybody else. Do it for you because you want to be healthier and you want to be better. And don't be afraid to go in and work out next to the really ripped guy or girl right next to you. Don't be embarrassed that you're not at the same place that they are. Just show up. That's that's it right there. Good. Show up. Just show up. Awesome. Thanks so much, Heather. Hey, this was fun, you guys. Well, friends, thanks so much for joining us on the Macros Universe podcast today. We hope you've enjoyed the topic for this week. We would love it if you could subscribe, rate, review, and share our podcast. Every rating helps the podcast grow. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Macros Universe and feel free to email us with any questions, comments, or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear about at the Macros Universe at gmail.com. Remember, as your friendly neighborhood coaches, we are here to grow and progress with you. We can't wait to chat again next week.